You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. Greetings, listeners. It is I, TV Spitzer and Farmer Dave, here once again to talk to you about the Cthulhu Mythos, its books, its monsters, its unfortunate human casualties, its timeline in general, and even its tangential bits, like the dreamlands or things of a weird nature that are Lovecraftian leaning. Once more we head into those dark woods, further feeling those malevolent forces upon us, once again we walk down the lightless stone staircase in the middle of nowhere. You're listening to KZOM. And to my virtual right, Farmer Dave. Farmer Dave, how's it going today? I am well. Good to hear. Good to hear. Uh, how's everything on the farm going? Uh, it's um, it, it, it's going farmingly. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Very good to hear. <coughs> yeah. Um, things are pretty boring out here uh let's see um anyone who's been paying attention knows that i've been running a DD group for a bunch of after school kids that's going pretty well uh they uh is that called goblins for goblins <laughs> no it's uh dnd for degenerates uh oh. <laughs> and yeah no uh we're having fun uh, kids are learning the game. Uh, D&D for Dusseldorf? Yeah. No, no. Uh, actually, Dusseldorf, she's not playing. She was playing Minecraft today, though. She just had a uh, minor surgery and is just eating ice cream and hanging out in the house. But yeah, no. Um, Barbacoa and his friends are playing Dungeons & Dragons in the kitchen, or were earlier today. And I've been DMing that because they wanted to play Dungeons & Dragons, but none of them wanted to DM. And... It's been really hard not to make it horror-themed because all of my Dungeons & Dragons for the last 20-plus years has been horror-based, but, I mean, what they've fought so far is skeletons. (laughs) Well, that's not too bad. You you can always show them, like, uh, Sinbad. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or, no, is it Jason and the Argonauts is the one with skeletons? Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I was thinking Sinbad. Uh, but, uh, had had I mean, it was Ray Harryhausen. I was gonna yeah. make Sinbad the comedian joke, but I'm like, no, I want to make a Ray Harryhausen comment. But yeah, Ray Harryhausen in general, stop motion skeletons. Oh man, did I ever pause those movies to figure out how to paint skeletons for Dungeons and Dragons? Well, that's cool. Yeah. So yeah. so you heard about the the crate that showed up at um, a. Um, uh, a plus uh, taxidermy and supermarket. Uh, no, I haven't heard anything about. Anything. So nobody knows where it came. So I opened it up, uh-huh, uh-huh. and it was filled with all of these sodas that no longer exist. Weird. So um, so that was full of uh, knee high and uh, 
bubble up and jolt. Do you know that I'm I'm not sure if this is true, but I was told that jolt cola uh-huh. was a controlled subject in, uh, substance in Idaho. Interesting. Well, <laughs> do you know where jolt cola got its name? Uh, something about uh, twice the caffeine and all the sugar. It started out as a joke in the uh, comic strip Kathy. Oh, okay. It, the actual, it actually appeared. Uh, and then, yeah, that's where it, it came from because it had twice the sugar. But, yeah, it was originally a, a fake product uh, in um, um, oh, uh, at the comic strip Kathy. Okay. And so I got, you know, I got some knee high and I got some uh, Rocky Mountain root beer. Yeah. But I got this thing and you can't see it. It, it almost looks like a flat beer. Uh-huh. But it is empire soda or empire uh beverage company uh-huh. banana soda oh. and i'm gonna test it on air are you ready uh-huh. okay I'm, I'm opening it up i'm pouring it, it smells like bananas okay um empire soda company if you still exist please don't sue me <laughs> Although, you know what? The worst soda I ever had, and this is an absolutely true story. <laughs> I love Jones, right? Have yeah. you ever had Jones soda? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, about a decade ago, Jones soda made a Thanksgiving soda. Thanksgiving soda, yeah. It, it, did, did you hear about it? I did, it? I did. I actually, a uh, place that I worked at sold it. Yeah, so they had they had, a, it had cranberry soda. Mm-hmm. It, it had potato soda. Yeah. It had celery soda, yeah, and a turkey soda, mm-hmm. and I think it was maybe a dressing soda, and, and the cranberry. Mm-hmm. Eh, it was a bad, you know, it was like sweet cranberry juice. Yeah, but oh my gosh, that celery soda! I've I've actually had uh, Doctor Brown's makes a celery soda that's pretty good uh, for a mixer uh, for alcoholic beverages. I wouldn't drink it by itself, but yeah, you can. Actually... Oh, you were supposed to mix it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the other ones are, are sound pretty much like a novelty, but yeah, you can actually get celery soda year-round. Uh, the soda, the, the most disgusting soda I've ever had is Dr. Brown's maple-flavored soda. It's 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 not a flavor I want carbonated, and it was just like it's it just felt wrong. It's like this is just this like carbonated, cloyingly sweet, dark. It's like this should be cola, not or root beer, not maple is just like and it wasn't even like a good maple flavor it was <laughs> sorry uh, it Dr. was like Browns. it wasn't like canadian maple it was like oh. cheap american side maple it it, it, it it tasted like a maple scratch and sniff sticker <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh yeah no um so yeah so we're we're gonna talk about uh Sophia's. Celephias, uh, and you've got an interview, and I've got. Uh, a- yeah, now I gotta, I gotta give you kind of a warning about about the interview here. Yeah. Um. Um. So the writer, uh-huh. he wrote. He's the writer of a, a really unique take on ghost stories. Okay. It's called F This House. <laughs> but during the during the interview, yes, 
uh, he doesn't say F. So, you know, if you've got little kids and you're concerned or you're personally just don't, you know, you're just not into this, uh, uh, you know, that particular language, if, you, if you've got uh, an issue with uh, that language, that, you know, you may want to skip ahead or skip the middle part of our, our show today. Mm-hmm. But if you're okay with an occasional F-bomb, um, it's, it's, like a, it's an interesting take mm-hmm. on what, you know, it's a traditional um, uh, uh, haunted house idea, uh, tropes. Cool. Very cool. Very cool. Excited to hear about that. So let's kick this off. Salafias. So, Dave, Salafias, it's that, uh, it's that city that that one guy dreamed of. Yeah, so I want to talk about the guy. Okay. So, so this is again this one of this ubiquitous non-named narrators. Mm-hmm. Now, we know that in this case in Lovecraft story, it's not Randolph Carr. No. Because this guy's from England. Mm-hmm. So, who do you think? Who do you think this guy is? Oh, I don't know. So I'm going to say it's it's Lord Dunsing. Okay. So, so when I was sort of, and it's it's obviously not it. This is the 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 narrator mm-hmm. in this story. Yeah. Is if you took Lord Dunsany, mm-hmm. and you took H. P. Lovecraft, mm-hmm. and you put him in a meat mixer and you grind them all up, <laughs> you get a mess. Yeah. But if you put them together, you would get this narrator. And so there's a couple of things. For those of you who are not familiar with Lord Dunsany. He was basically everything Lovecraft wasn't. He was noble. He was rich. He was successful. He was a well-known world-traveled poet, and he was English. Um, and he wrote a bunch of poems that are going to really influence Lovecraft's dream cycle. Uh, and that's basically referred to as Pangea. In fact, a lot of Lovecraft stories during his early phase are going to be basically inspired and imitations of Dunzani, including, but even later books like Rats in the Wall mm-hmm. are going to be heavily inspired by Dunzani. And so this this non-named narrator, I've always got the impression it was, you know, it was Lovecraft's idol. Mm-hmm. Now, Lovecraft met Dunsany. Oh, I didn't know that. One time. Uh, Dunsany was reading um, a poem in the history of Nitocris. That's why uh, Nitocris, the Egyptian queen, shows up in uh, Trapped with the Pharaohs, or sometimes called, you know, Beneath the Pyramids. Oh, yeah. um, and, and, you know, he was just, Lovecraft just completely geeked out about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lord Dunsany? Yeah. Doesn't mention him. Uh, Dunsany <laughs> was a very, very um, active journalist. Mm-hmm. He was, I mean, and not, not a journalist, like a reporter, like he journaled. So he did daily journals. Okay. Uh, and so he mentions some of the women that 
uh, Lovecraft actually attended with some of the older, some older women friends, mm-hmm. and one of them got. Uh, Denzany, I believe, to donate some signed books so that they could auction off to charity. Mm-hmm. So he mentions that. Yeah. But you know, to lo- he never mentions Lovecraft. So you know, I have a feeling that maybe Lovecraft, Lovecraft, you know, I, I just embarrassed myself. I just geeked out. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling that maybe Lovecraft is sort of sat in the corner and didn't, <laughs> it was just sort of heavy on himself yeah uh, but yeah you know so so this was you know lovecraft met the day that lovecraft met his idol uh-huh. to Jen zany it was tuesday or whatever day it was yeah yeah interesting very interesting yeah no uh Salifius, uh created by hp lovecraft a place that uh, randolph carter went to uh, very much, yeah. Uh, inspired by Lord Dunsany work for sure. Uh, published in 1922. Yeah, yeah. And I believe uh, the Rainbow. I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was in the Rainbow, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. It was. So I'm not sure, but I believe that was a um, amateur press. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think don't it, think I... he was paid for it, but he might have got a little bit. And so this is really one of his earlier stories. And like, um, you know, Dream Quest, mm-hmm. it's one of the few stories that sort of bridge the dream cycle and his Cthulhu Mythos stories. Yeah, 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 no, very much so, very much so. And uh, there is kind of like a, I don't know, a hauntedness to this story. It's, it's, it's like a beautiful haunted dream is, is, is a way that I, I describe this. It's, it's, it has kind of like uh, <laughs> dream elements to it. I mean, yeah, it's supposed to be a dream, but it, uh, it has kind of like uh, this dream logic to it that other Lovecraft stories do. Uh, oh, goodness, what is it? Uh, House on the... No. Uh, oh, goodness. The one that has... The house on the high cliff outside of Kingsport. I can't remember the name of it. But <laughs> I'm thinking it was the house on the high cliff. Okay, all right. Uh, but yeah, yeah, no, no, no. There's, there's, uh, like er, earlier Lovecraft. There's, there's uh, like a dreamy kind of element to some of the uh, the non uh, horror stuff that Lovecraft did. More of his fantasy that this very much kind of feels like. Uh, Celephius. But also Celephius in general has that dreamlike quality to it, how it's described in its hey. uh, colors. Oh, I don't mean to interrupt you. You're oh, probably yeah. going to say yeah. this. Yeah. But it was inspired by a dream. So, so again, I'm, I'm kind of probably interrupting you here, but it was based on a dream. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was, yeah. A lot of Lovecraft stories were, were inspired by dreams. Mm-hmm. Um to me, it also, and I don't know, I couldn't tell you what the definition is, but it always seemed to me like a prose poem. I mean, you know what I mean? That yeah. The very poetic short story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very much so. Very much so. If, if, if we're going to go into the history of uh, Celephius, it's fictional history. It was uh, dreamed up by uh, King Karanis, uh, which is his the, name. The city. In, yeah, the yeah, city. the city. The, the, the fictional city itself was dreamed up by its King Karanis, who I don't think that was his name in real life but was some sort of uh english uh gentry and i think that may be supposed to be lord dunsany but i don't know i mean it, it's that's that's the no uh Karanis isn't the uh narrator of the story but 
I can't remember. <laughs> I thought Coronas might have been one of the names of that Randolph Carter used. Uh, no, no, Coronas is the king of uh, Celephius. The uh, oh. but uh, what, 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 what wasn't he? Now, okay, I for some reason I got off of one of the Dreamlands books that he was actually Randolph Carter. Oh no, that no. he came. Uh, he came. No, no, it's Cra- Carter visited Karanis. That's it. He visited Karanis. Yeah. You're right there. Yep, yep. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, the uh, known for its ginkgo trees and uh, a port that uh, goes pretty much everywhere. A cloud kingdom uh, is reached by uh, sailing your ships out of the harbor in Celephius uh, and taking it out to the horizon and then you just keep going into the sky. And I, I always thought that was cool when I was younger, but I still think it's cool. I'm not going to say I don't the, think the, it's cool The flat anymore. Earth were right. Earthers were right in the dream world. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's necessarily true in the dream, wor- dream world even, because, I mean, maybe that harbor. Maybe, may- maybe if you take yeah. off just right out of that harbor, you know. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But, I mean, the dream worlds, it's, it's, it's our world, but smaller. And it's also for for those who are maybe not as familiar. Mm-hmm. It's also about it it it, it ages about five hundred years behind us. Yeah. So the dream world of now mm-hmm. would be you know fifteen twenties, um, you know so fourteenth you know fifteenth century uh, when you know Randolph Carter. So it's going to be and, and because it's Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. It has things that Lovecraft likes. Yeah. Like zebras. Lovecraft <laughs> liked zebras. He thought that was a cool <laughs> idea. So there's zebras running around all over. And cats. And so, um, <laughs> you know, and it's going to be a very two, and, and we've talked about this before, mm-hmm. um, but I got a feeling it's very much influenced uh, by Arabian Nights. Yes, very much so. <laughs> because, you know, that was, that was, you know, Lovecraft grew up on that, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, w- you know, we, we grew up on, you know, our favorite TV shows. Yeah. Yeah, very much. Uh, yeah, no, no. I, I feel like you can definitely see the influence on, uh, on, 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 uh, Dream Quest, Dream Quest, and uh, that kind of stuff in general, based off of his uh, childhood and his uh, what he read as a child or had read to him. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, definitely, definitely, Celephius. It's pretty cool stuff. Um, I, I, I highly recommend if anyone wants to that they. Uh, track down the dream quest of unknown Kadath and also uh, any other stories in the dream cycle. It's not as spooky. It's 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 more of a fantastical read, but you know, it's cool stuff, and I really like it personally. Uh, in some ways, I like it a little bit more than some stuff in the uh, Lovecraftian myth cycle. But oh man. Uh, this Celephius and Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath are a fun read or a fun listen if you've got the audiobooks. All right, Dave, who who's who's the interview this week? So this is with a writer, a script writer, uh, Brian Asman. Oh, cool. Uh, and like I said, his new uh, take on The Haunted House mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. called F This House. Um, again, um, 
he's a little bit more bold than I. Sure. And so he does not abbreviate the 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 the, the word. Um, but yeah, sure. um, if you are uh, of age, it's definitely an interview. I think you gotta check out. Yeah, uh, those those of a, a delicate nature. I'm I'm not editing it because I don't like to. I don't know. Uh, there is things I will censor, but um, f bombs I generally don't feel like. And, and and that beep sound is kind of annoying. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. O- only if it's like something explicit or you know. But that generally I would just cut out of the show. So. And yeah, I know. I bet I know what you would um, w- would edit. What's that? Are you all listening? <laughs> That's yeah. No, I would edit that, Dave. I can't. I can't believe that I. Yeah, I hated my goats with the same message I spent that with. I know. I know. Sounds good. Let's do this. And once again, we are at that part of the show that I love because I get to talk to somebody who doesn't go by the initials DP. You know, I love you, Dan, but you know, it's nice to get other people's points and views. And today I'm really excited because we've got Brian Asman. And Brian, if you don't mind, I'm gonna just let you introduce yourself a little bit. Hey, David, thanks so much for having me on. Really excited to be here tonight. Uh, So for everyone who doesn't know me, I'm Brian Asman. I'm a writer, a producer, actor from San Diego, California. I just had a little novella come out called Man, Fuck This House from uh, Mutated Media. Um, I've got a couple other books out, Nunchuck City, Jailbroke, I'm Not Even Supposed to Be Here Today from Eraserhead Press, and uh, I've got some comics in Tales of Horrorgasm. I've published uh, stories in anthologies like Lost Films and Welcome to the Splatter Club, and uh, yeah, uh, that's me, Brian Asman, in a nutshell. Nice to meet y'all. So you sound very busy living in paradise. Yeah, it's like, honestly, I live about 11 blocks from the beach. And so, uh, yeah, uh, it's like 70 degrees here every day. I live in a really beautiful place. And, uh, you know, I just kind of go to the beach and then go home and write spooky shit. And that's how I roll. Uh, You know, that's a great life if you can find it. Yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> yeah, and most people know I live on a farm in Oregon now, but I grew up a California boy. I grew up in Ventura County, about okay, yeah. about a hundred miles or so above you, maybe two hundred. But yeah. yeah, it's just there's something nice about having seventy-five degree temperatures, three hundred and twenty days a year. Yeah, you know, and people complain sometimes, like that. Oh, San Diego doesn't have seasons, and I'm like, well. Yeah, we, we have seasons. We have seasons, okay? You know, we have summer, which is – that's a great season. We have spring break. That's a pretty cool season. And then we have football season. Yeah. Oxnard, we had fire season, summer, earthquake <laughs> season. But <laughs> Yeah, let's sit down here. We, uh, You know, we, we get fire season here, but it's not that bad. Yeah. And, uh, you know, especially where I live, I can always just go jump in the ocean if things get really hairy. So – you're, you're, I'm, I'm intrigued by the title of your, your new book. Uh, what is it about, and where can my listeners get it? 
All right. So uh, second question first. Uh, it's available on Amazon, Target, Barnes and Noble. You can call your local bookstore or you can go to bookshop.org to order it. Or you can go to my website, brianasmanbooks.com. Uh, click on the merch tab. And I saw uh, signed paperbacks and there are a couple different uh, bundles. So if you want to buy a few of my books at once in one nice. swoop, uh, you know, you can cut yourself a deal there, but everything comes signed and I throw in some cool swag with it too. I have all kinds of like yeah, unique stickers and things, bookmarks that I make up. And, uh, you know, every, 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 every order comes with an extra helping of love pretty much. And um, who doesn't love swag? Exactly. Exactly. Cause you know, one of my philosophies as someone who writes in the small press and indie scene is that, you know, it's really hard getting people's attention. And so if someone wants to check out one of my books, I really appreciate that. And I want to kind of just make them feel special, you know, just give them a little something extra as a thank you for, you know, diving into one of my books. Well, excellent. So tell me a little bit about this house and why I would want to fornicate with it. Yes, absolutely. So uh, it's kind of funny. So the title, man, fuck this house. That kind of started uh, last year or so. Just on like I've, I've now published several books that started as Twitter jokes r randomly. But uh, the title just kind of popped into my head. And so on Twitter, I was like, hey, I think I'm going to write a haunted house book called Man, Fuck This House. And a whole bunch of people were like, oh, my God, that's a great title. You should totally do that. So I'm like shit now i need to figure out a story but uh so i'm gonna guess <laughs> ghost story or slasher it's a ghost story ghost yeah story, okay. and so the uh the, the essentially what happened with the novella was the last couple books i've written uh jailbroke and nunchuck city uh they're kind of weird genre wise jailbroke is kind of a sci-fi horror thing kind of okay. like a like a rick and morty or futurama type deal but with kind of like a slasher aspect to it um and then Nunchuck City is essentially, I call it an unlicensed adaptation of the 1987 video game Bad Dudes. It's kind of a, le a love letter to all like the like Double Dragon and just kind of like the, the late 80s uh, side-scrolling beat-em-up video games. And so after writing something like that, which is super fun, um, I was like, I need to write a book that's just like a horror book, uh, something that's really not complicated to market. And so uh, with Man Fucks the, Fuck This House, I was like, I, I wanted to sit down and write a haunted house book. So it's got your standard your standard setup, uh, a family moves to a new town, they move into a new house, and spooky things start to happen. Uh, it's very much influenced by Bentley Little. Uh, like, books of his, uh, you know, like The Haunted, were kind of what I was looking at is like, okay, this is the sort of sort of book I want to write. Um, so weird stuff happens, but then it kind of, it kind of diverges in places from your uh, typical haunted house tale. Um, it always drives me nuts when writers say, say in interviews, well, I can't tell you anything more without spoiling it, but like, I can't tell you anything more without spoiling it. So, so there's some twists. There are some twists. Yes. It's yeah, I can say for sure. It's not your typical haunted house. Um, uh, story but uh, i can tell you a little bit about the main characters a little bit okay. this is all on the setup but uh it's a family of four so hal haskins sabrina haskins michaela haskins and damien haskins so sabrina is kind of this like disillusioned homemaker type um who's kind of like fumbled her way through like community college and trying to figure out what she wants to do because she ended up just having a family just because it was something for her to do um 
Hal's a uh, kind of a, a, a he's a reverse mortgage salesman and uh, he's kind of a, a little bit of a simpleton. Um, Michaela is your standard teen girl, sort of. Uh, but then Damien is kind of this evil genius character, kind of like Stewie from Family Guy, a little bit like that. And okay. uh, he's he's very committed to fucking with his mother's head. And so the storyline is partly the spooky things happening in the house, and it's partly Damien leveraging all the spooky things happening to figure out how to like drive his mother crazy, basically. As one does. Mm-hmm. So there's like kind of a lot of like family tension here. It's, you know, kind of kind of like I, I don't want to sound like I don't know, like douchey comparing it to hereditary. But in a way, it's it's kind of like hereditary. It's about the okay. relationships that this family has with each other. And uh, it's kind of like how, you, you know, families don't always like each other. Um, and sometimes they're a, just a collection of personalities that have ended up together because of genetics and not because they're a group of people that really gets along well you know yeah this episode is brought to you by the shrink next door on apple tv a 2021 drama inspired by the true story of marty and the therapist who turned his life around then took it over when he first meets dr ike marty just wants to get better at boundaries over 30 years he'll learn all about them and what happens when they get crossed Check out The Shrink Next Door, only on Apple TV. Check us out on Facebook.com and check the show notes for the sponsors who help keep us on air and find out how you can help. Thank you once again for listening to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. You can help show your support by going to the show notes and following any of the links that'll tell you how to support the show and how to support our guests. And thank you to all of our guests who you can find in the show notes. Rate, review, subscribe. And remember, patrons get priority access to asking us questions, suggesting topics, even, I don't know, uh, submitting stuff. Actually, you don't have to be a patron to submit anything. That's how Dave got on the show, and that's how you can get on the show, too. It's the People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. Rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. Thank you for listening. Back to the show. I shouldn't have said what I said. I'm sorry. It's all right, Dave. It's all right. Uh, so, hey, we're talking about the Great Library. Uh, we're talking about the, uh, what is it called? It's called... The, the Library of Cilantro? Yeah, the the, the Salino uh, Library. Yeah, Salino, The Great, the great Library of Salino. But, yeah, um... Created by August Derleth for the Trail of Cthulhu, uh, the the book, not the game. Uh, Professor Labian Shrewsbury and his companions traveled there. Uh, yeah, no, Shrewsbury later wrote about it in the Salino Fragments, a transcript that is like uh, of what he remembered from the library, and it's like fifty pages of like what he remembers, and it's in Miskatonic. Uh, University's uh, rare books collection, I'm sure. So, and, and, and again, not to spoil a lot. Of, I mean, it was <laughs> if you read it. I actually like the first part of the Trail of Cthulhu. Uh-huh. It gets a little repetitive, I think, as the story goes on. Yeah, but there's some things I really like about 
the first of the the books in there. Yeah. Uh, one is when he looks in the river and it's just filled with deep ones coming up the river to get at, go after him. Yeah. And, and the other is you know, Shrewsbury. Just you know, Randolph Carter is, is obviously this author avatar uh-huh. for for Lovecraft. Uh, Laven Shrewsbury is obviously a author avatar for. Uh, August Derleth. Yeah. But he, he's there as old man. And in ways I think it almost would have fit better if Derleth wrote this in the 50s or the 60s. Because mm-hmm. he's this old man. And again, spoilers for an 80 year old book. <laughs> and he always wears these, you know, these these shiny, reflective, uh, you know, like glasses. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that, you know, when he finally gets to take off, you know, he has no eyes. It's not that he's not only is he blind, he just has no eyes. Yeah. And he gets around like using the force because he's so into the the balance of the universe and so, or however. Yeah. Uh, Darylith, uh, explains it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, an interesting. So, good job, August. Yeah, an interesting pulp hero for sure. Uh, Doctor Professor Labian Shrewsbury. Uh, but yeah, no, no. Um, how? Okay, so we've kind of covered the basics of what the Great Library is. Could you use something like the Great Library in a campaign, Dave? Yes, and I'm going to actually... I'm going to say that... I want to just one other thing. Mm -hmm. What the Great Library kind of reminds me of. Okay. And and I'm not sure exactly. It's Mm -hmm. contemporary-ish. I suspect that this was after... But in the 30s and the 40s, maybe even before that, mm-hmm. um, um, Edgar Casey and another other psychists, they talked about, and I always mispronounce this word, but the uh, Akasic uh, writings, Akasic memory, which is all basically all knowledge of the universe. Okay. And I think that this is where uh, Derelis got the idea. Okay. Uh, and the and it's sort of like all the universe is in you know, and, and this is actually a a, a, a uh, an Eastern teaching of philosophy, <laughs> and, and so that's what it always reminds me. And so there's a couple of things I think you could use it for, mm-hmm. um, and I think there's one I can't name which one, but there's at least one written called Cthulhu. You know, canned adventures where you, you you go to the library. I mean, after forty years, of course there is. Yeah, uh, I couldn't tell you which one though. So, if um, if any of our uh, listeners have played it or played one where they've used it, yeah, by all means, just reach out to us because I'd love to hear about it. Um, so the the first thought is. You're in this incredible library where all knowledge of the universe is. Well, there's going to be guard docks, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't, um, you know, there's going to be some sort of creature chasing you in the book stacks. Yeah, and that could be where Call Cthulhu, uh, Gurps Warehouse Twenty Three, D and D. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, you could uh, do a variety of things. You could do anything from, like, I don't know, 
uh, stone or wood golems that are part of the architecture. Uh, maybe why not have a paper geist, uh, paper that uh, attacks you, uh, that takes on form of a person uh, when people enter the area. Or, I don't know, you could have elaborate traps with uh, bookcases or, like... Uh, Li- librarian warlocks that cast silence. Ooh. But, yeah, no, I was thinking, like, if you had, like, an area that, like... I don't know, your adventuring party, your 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 group... The, you enter the area, and, like, anyone who knows the area or reads enough languages knows that this area is a trap, do not enter, but once you're in there, you realize that all the books have no words or anything like that, and you can't leave. It's just kind of like a, I don't know, a trap for people who aren't supposed to be there, or maybe for thieves or something, but... Or, you know, what if, what if, you know, you notice that there's all these, like, mirrors for the walls, (laughs) and then you realize it's not a library, it's a zoo. Whoa. And the alien forces are watching you, or your characters. <laughs> and at the end, it's a Twilight Zone episode. Sure, sure. Or you can do the thing where there's, you know, it's 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 your MacGuffin, your 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 way to turn around whatever bad thing has happened to your party, uh, your party member's friend, uh, your party member's family. Uh, your world your uh, cataclysmic event you have to go here to find the next step you have to go here to find the 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 thing that stops it you have to go here to find not a book but i don't know maybe a map that's carved into the floor uh you you know something like that the the x marks the spot Yeah, or you have to stand up really high and stand in a weird angle, and then it, you look at all the books in a certain way, and it shows you a message. Who knows? But you could you could you could use a giant library. It's like anything that you would use a library for in any game. But then you multiply it, or you just have like a library that you know goes up who knows how many stories goes down who knows how many stories and you can't quite find the outside wall say you have an infinite library or to uh what the human eye looks like an infinite library a library that holds all knowledge where do you go first yeah yeah no 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 also i was gonna say is like how do you find your way around how do you get the books and once you get the information how do you get it out if you can't find the door <laughs> or, or or what if you're, you're you're and this would be more like a it's a, some sort of a GURPS or a dimensional or GURPS warehouse 23 mm-hmm. game mm-hmm. so you're at the you know the library it has all information and stuff but it's all dusty and cobweb and there's nothing on the bookshelves yeah but when you open up the door it's connected to every library that ever existed. Ooh. So you open up one time and you're in the library of Alexander. Mm-hmm. You go back and you're in Ben Franklin's, you know, personal library or. Yeah. Yeah. Or what if you have the, what if the books there are kind of in between time and space? And if you remove a book, it turns into dust. Doesn't matter if oh. it's a, uh, 
uh, Yakubian uh, metal folded thing, some sort of like energy cube that the Migo use, or just good old fashioned papyrus that's like 3,000 years old. Uh, yeah, no, no, if you try and take it out, it just crumbles. And maybe uh, magically another copy appears, you know, just to save your bacon. <laughs> So, so I've got, got a couple of thoughts here. Sure. So, so obviously, when we talk about the library, mm-hmm. we're, we're thinking a physical mortar, you know, brick and sure. mortar library yeah. with books. And you open up and the books smell like books. Yeah. But where is the repository of all our knowledge now? The Internet. Yeah, yeah. What if, what if, what if you know, Shrewsbury was just using library? Just as a metaphor, because he knew people in the 1930s wouldn't understand mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that you know, and this is really it. Yeah, well, really, it's like this little box, and you push <laughs> buttons, and then you you wait. So you know, what if you know what if what if it's again a modern game, maybe a uh, a um, oh, uh, a shadow run game, and it's it's you know. It's online. It's it, in the the network. Oh yeah, yeah. No, or or what the uh, great library of Salino could be is what if Salino is in fact just kind of like an advanced like cyberpunky world, and uh, the great library of Salino as Labian Shrewsbury thought of it. Hmm. I mean, this this is kind of like well, no, I read the book and I know this and I know this, but I'm just saying, what if? You know, since he has a hard time seeing stuff, what if he just kind of like didn't realize that he was at a shopping center and that where he was was an internet cafe? Yeah. And <laughs> or, or what if Salino is a person? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Great Library you know, of Salino. Maybe, maybe Salino is is like a, a hipster uh, barista or a, an all powerful librarian. Mm-hmm. 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 Definitely. And you not only have. To, have to you know you have to go and ask them the questions, but then you got to pit up with their attitude. Or or here, let's go in another direction entirely. What if it's not even written? What if it's all like kind of like uh, holographic recordings and audio? And uh, if 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 you do look up something, you're going to get some sort of like maybe some sort of feral multicolor feral fluid that uh, reenacts events, kind of like a three dimensional television, so that you can see or or look up stuff if you look be like, hey, uh, whatever this thing is, and, you know, it's like, what does a shoggoth looks look like? It'll it'll reproduce a shoggoth for you to look at, you know, kind of like paused in a three-dimensional way that you could, you know, just super duper high tech, but maybe it's not books. Maybe it's, it's just audio and visual stuff, but not like TV, but three-dimensional that you can check out. But anyway, that's like pop-up books. Yeah. Now I got one other, one last idea. Yeah. Yeah. So we are, we are basically conditioned that books tell the truth mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know and, and now I think people are a little bit more savvy than they used to be but sure. it's in a book it's real yeah what if everything in the book in the library is lies whoa what if it's all like uh, Yakubian propaganda or, or not Yakubian but yeah what if it's what if it's some sort of like uh, I don't know uh, propaganda against some sort of uh I don't know, mythos, 
entity? What if what if it's like anti anti Nodin's propaganda? Or or yeah yeah or 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 just kind of like um it it, if if it's the greatest library in the world, what if you have like something that's kind of like Selino but the opposite of Selino, the worst library in the world, and it's all full of like magazines that you find well i was gonna say like magazines you find in doctor's offices and like they have um like 50 copies of like terminator to the uh the 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 book based off of the screenplay it's not a bad book but it's not like you know challenging <laughs> but like that kind of stuff and it's like oh yeah we've got uh 12 copies of the friends cookbook um <laughs> just kind of like the the um like when you go into like uh back when these existed when you would go into a bookstore and they'd have like the area in between like the front door and the actual like establishment itself it's like these books we're putting out here we don't even care if they get stolen <laughs> they're yeah. so discounted and it'd be like big coffee table books like cars <laughs> just very very vague kind of public domain books anyway oh, 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 or what if let's just throw another one what if you got like yeah, all your players are like really geeky uh-huh. and this I think works like in a strange warrior uh, superheroes game mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but what if it's everything in the library is comic books Ooh. and graphic novels yeah yeah no there's a lot of stuff you could do with Selino or uh, if you have a bunch of people who play Call of Cthulhu and you're playing a different type of game uh, you can use Selino as maybe a reference or maybe do it in your Call of Cthulhu game uh, just kind of like have like uh, Selino comics or something like that just make a reference to it being like something Selino, Selino something. And then that's just kind of like a tip of the hat to uh, Augie D, but also lets your players know that this is a, this isn't your normal music store. This isn't your standard uh, letterpress shop. This is, this has everything. This is going to have everything you need and maybe then some. So, so I, I, I'm still, I'm still holding out for the great library of cilantro and where all all the you know all the players they have to make a fortitude roll and if they fail it uh-huh. all the books smell like soap <laughs> i was gonna be like oh man the great library of cilantro cilantro i can't wait to go check out their uh, periodicals of salsa <laughs> all right hey everyone it is that time again that time where dave and i we say goodbye, and we drift off into that sunset. Or, in Oleander's case, uh, that cloudy evening uh, with a uh, 75%... Yeah, ghost pirate fog or 75% chance of precipitation precipitation for the next... 25% of deadly killer clowns. Yeah, yeah. So, everyone, we'll see you next week. We're going to be talking about something mythos-related. We'll probably be talking to someone who knows something about something that's spooky or fantastical or sci-fi-ish. In fact, I think that we are going to be talking about something in the next couple of weeks. Some things are just that, due to alphabetical order, are going to be right down my aisle or my sort of area of expertise. Oh, cool. Well, we'll just leave that as a... Uh cliffhanger so people can find out about that when it happens 
All right, everyone, thank you so much for listening to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. Remember to rate, review, subscribe, tell your ba, tell your pa, we'll ship you down to Sathagwa. Check out our sponsors, help the people who help the show. Music is always a spy, D.B. Spitzer. Um, Dave's part is by Dave, my part is by me. And again, thank you again so much for being a part of the show. You can check us out on yeah, the, the your part is by you, the audience. Yeah. And yeah, you, the part that you do is listen and also rate, review and subscribe. So if you can do that, that would be so awesome. If you can't do that, don't worry about it. You can always buy a T-shirt. And of course, uh, yeah, check the show notes and find out how to check out our guests this week and check out anything else that we've been talking about. And before I have to say check it out anymore, I'm just going to say check goodbye. Check it out. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. Anything you want to say before you say goodbye, Dave? Goodbye. This month is a continuation of last month's ghost stories. Late November ghost stories here on People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos.